Welcome to episode 83 of the Horror Dads podcast. You're joined by your host, John and Jamie. Today is a very fun, fun, I think fun, exciting episode. We've got Drew Marvick on the show. Uh, we're going to jump to an interview with him in a little bit. Drew's a <laughs> super fun dude. He's I, a personality. I can't even, I couldn't even say it without laughing because yeah. he's just, he's in, in like the best way possible because uh, if you follow him on Instagram, uh, you would know. Yeah, and if along you've seen with his us, films. that he's hilarious, yeah. and he's just uh, again, he's just a personality. He's got uh, a big beard, long hair, so um, he's hard to miss. Yeah, super nice dude. Incredibly kind of him to spend time with us today. So we do have an interview with Drew. We talk about his films, uh, Pool Party Massacre, which was his feature that he directed and starred in. Uh, he made other films like Thirteen Slays Till Christmas. He was in The Barn Two um, with which, his son. Yeah, with his son. Yeah, which is school. awesome. We I think his son that. is 16 or 15, so that's uh, one of those things where it's like, you'll never forget. Yeah, and he was also in a film called Slash Lorette Party, so yeah. mm-hmm. uh, it, based off of the titles, you can tell. A lot of uh, indie projects yeah. uh, that are a lot of fun to watch, uh, especially for diehard horror fans. Yeah, so we, we dive into Drew's career, how he got started, the making of his films, production, the woes of uh, indie filmmaking, the excitement of it. So he's a wealth of knowledge on the subject, and he's a great dude to talk to. So uh, in the next like 15 minutes, you'll hear from Drew. But we're going to do a quick introduction. We're going to catch up. Jamie and I are in the thick of February here. Love's in the air. Brotherly love. Dude, I haven't even fired up my... Uh I've just been I like know. waiting. It's so we're T minus what like five days from Valentine's Day. Yeah. So there's like there's what like three ho- Valentine <laughs> horror films that we watch. It's My Bloody Valentine, My Bl- Bloody Valentine the C- uh the 3D, remake. Yeah. Uh, 3D, correct, and then uh Valentine. And then Valentine. So I do VR. I've got this VR. I don't. That's a weird fucking thing to say. I do. VR. I do VR. <laughs> so I was I, like, why, why the is fuck that did I say that? Drug or something? Ugh, What's wrong with my you? God? I want to slap myself. <laughs> I, I I'm all, I'm like baffled now. What about I VR? Said that. Let's go. Anyways, back. yeah. Uh, I got my kids an Oculus headset for Christmas. Uh, I probably use it more than they do now. Uh, but tomorrow, Eli Roth is uh, releasing this like. Uh, Valentine's Day horror film that you can watch. Oh, on the VR. Oculus. Yeah. So you buy it. I don't know how much it's going to cost, whatever. Uh, so I'm going to get that. And uh, it's like an event, right? So it's like a movie event that he made specifically for VR. Cool. So yeah. it's like an immersive, immersive experience. So I'm really excited to uh, dive into that and add it to my Valentine collection. Yeah, man. Uh, it's going to be weird, though, when you and I are wearing the same VR headset and uh, watching it together. We're going to, like, punch my son because he gets too close to me, and I'm, like, scared that he's a Valentine Massacre killer. Oh, God. All right, so we're going to catch up. We're going to talk about what we've been watching, what we've been buying, wearing, what's going on with the family, do a couple quick plugs, and then we're going to jump into our episode. Yep. So, Jamie, without further ado, what have you been watching? Obviously not Valentine's Day-themed horror films, but you and I will both probably get into that this weekend. Oh, my God, I'm going to get so heavy into that. Um, I'm actually kind of embarrassed that that I haven't watch those yet. you should be uh, ashamed of yourself i also haven't i was so. gonna say <laughs> uh all right so i started watching this show it's called fringe you familiar with this show i'm not so it's on hbo max uh it had five seasons it's probably like mid 20 yeah it's oh, a shit. lot of seasons i don't know what it was on fox or whatever the fuck i didn't i never watched it oh so hbo owns it now, it now but it was i guess not. yeah okay no it was not an hbo show got it um it is now 
um, on the HBO Max platform. But uh, it's got Joshua Jackson. Oh, cool. Um, we call him Pacey, but fine. Yeah, I don't know her name, but the woman who's in uh, The Last of Us, the first two episodes at least, uh, she is one of the main uh, protagonists along with Joshua Jackson. But it's very X-Files-ish. Uh, so what? they have like a oh, overall overarching theme. I don't know. I, well, I just started watching it. I'm like four episodes in. Uh, so it has an overarching theme instead of uh, alien conspiracy. It's fringe science. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. you know, time travel or uh, there's an episode where and it's all very like horrific stuff. So um, like there's an episode where like there's a, a bomb that's released in a bus, but the bomb freezes everybody in time. Um, oh. So, God. you know, every episode is a different type of fringe science thing going on. Over, there's an overarching, like, you know, there's a corporation that has their hands and all this shit. Umbrella. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but, dude, I highly recommend it to uh, anyone who's a horror sci-fi fan. And you've been watching The Last of Us as well? I have been watching The Last of Us. Yeah, I'm all caught up on that, which is an incredible show. I never played the game, so I don't have that, like... So I, feel, you know, I have not started the show yet, but I did start the game this week. Mm -hmm. So I put a couple hours into that. Uh, nice. Connor, my best friend, brought me his old PlayStation 4 because I don't have one. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're Xboxers in this family. So he brought me his old PlayStation 4 with the game in it and was like, play this, please, before you watch the show. Yeah. So I've been playing through and I will say that. Holy shit. Talking as a father. My God. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we won't say more than that though because i know it's it's brand new and a lot haven't seen it yet for sure uh, another one i watched was road games i don't have the year handy uh but it's definitely an 80s film it's got uh stacy keach um jamie, jamie lee, lee curtis, curtis yeah. correct he's a truck driver and it's just like one of those movies where it's like it's got great fucking heart like you're smiling the whole time he's a truck driver in australia for some fucking reason <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's got like a pet dingo that rides in the truck with him and, um, he encounters what he thinks is a serial killer and he keeps hearing on the radio about the serial killer that's going around killing women. Uh, so he encounters who he thinks is this guy in a green van and he keeps coming across this fucking green van. Uh, you know, like he drives by one point and sees him like digging a fucking hole in the middle of the desert. Oh dude. So this and is like an eighties joyride meets Jeepers Creepers. Dude, meets exactly. The, and, uh, um, the hitchhiker and the payoff is great. I highly recommend it. Uh, What's and that then called again? It's called Road Games. Road Games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really, dude, I, I was thinking of like you and like everyone that we know that loves horror would love this movie. Uh, just the, again, the heart in it and the characters and, you know, because he's picking up hitchhikers along the way and it's just a, fun isn't the right word, but it's just a, a great, a great watch. Uh, and then the last one I wanted to mention, we already talked about this last week, but Chucky, I think I'm out, man. The show? The TV show. How far did you make it? Um, uh, four episodes in. Oh. So here's the thing: is it's like meaner than I. It's like too mean. I I'm not into it. Uh, keep keep going because the kid is like now becoming a kid. Know, I'm out. I'm out on it, man. Uh, come back though. Ugh. Try, seriously, come I back. I feel like I just can't. I like I sh I actually shut it off mid episode for the fourth one. I was I, like, I'm yeah, done. I know, but just stay honestly, stay with it because I watched Ugh. all the first season and the second season and. That there's a full circle. All right. So I was like, man, this show's fun. And then I was like, no, it's not. I'm, it, I hate this. It gets way more can't hardly wait and Ugh. bound together toward. Yeah. Just huh. st I, stay with it. All right. All right. So I checked. My wife and I both, we were like, Ugh. we were like both like heavily sighing. You could hear us each like, Ugh. 
Just too mean, yeah. I mean, we. Yeah. I would Ugh. say that you and I both very much enjoy the fun nature. That's why it was great to talk to Drew because, you know, he's yes. not taking yourself too seriously, not taking your art too seriously. We we definitely enjoy the more fun, good-natured aspect of horror. And yes. that show definitely has some deep, horrifying, sad, uh, unsettling things. But it also has... Some of the other. I mean, stuff. don't get don't get us wrong and twisted here. We love, you know, just finish horror. finish the first season of Chucky. All right, all right. So I checked out. Uh, Sorry about the demon. I don't know if you've heard about this one or seen this no. one yet. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, it's definitely in the vein of like a bearing the X kind of more. Is it comedy? Is it horror kind mm-hmm. of thing? But it's definitely in the 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 horror genre. Where's the horror veil? So it's. It's comedic. It's it's funny. Uh, it's pretty overtly like kind of forced humor at times, but it's it's humble. It's enjoyable. Uh, it, it was this either is a on, movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a movie. It's either on Shutter or Netflix. But it's about a guy who who breaks up. He and his girlfriend break up. She's the 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 breaker, and he's upset about it. He moves into a house by himself, and it ends up being haunted. He tries to rekindle his love with her, and then has to deal with. The demons. Okay. You know, sorry of, about the demon. Uh, it's called yeah, sorry about the demon, or demons. Gotcha. But it's so it's it's him dealing with physical demons and emotional and mental ones with himself um, kind yeah. of deal. So yep, it's the the spirit of it. Oh, that's funny. I didn't even mean to say that, but <laughs> the spirit of it is it's genuine and it's enjoyable. So it's either I can't remember it's either Netflix or Shutter original, uh, but it's it's worth checking out. I also checked out. Pool Party Massacre, which we're about to do a deep dive yep. into. I checked out The Barn Part 1 and The Barn Part 2, which we talk about on this episode as well. Uh, and we're going to just jump right into what we've been buying, and I'll just say what I've been buying. I, I bought The Barn Part 2 because it's not currently available streaming anywhere, but it is on, on Blu-ray, so I did pick it up on Blue. Nice. And uh, I, it's a fun 80s throwback film. The, the Part 2, definitely they, they rallied more budget they had joe bob in it they had oh wow uh, you know darcy the male girl uh, does a cameo in it as well so uh definitely more budget i like when uh, independent effects. movies can rope in like the horror personalities like that makes it fun yeah and the intro sequence of of the barn two stars drew Ma- um i almost called him maverick we were just fucking laughing about this. Drew Marvick, who we interview here, and uh, he and his son are in that intro sequence, which is like this campfire, uh, very Friday Thirteenth Part Two feel to yeah. it. Jamie was saying, "Ghost of Madman." Yes, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I I picked up the the Barn Part Two. You've been buying anything? awesome. Uh, I haven't yet. Uh, but so you and I are not very big gamers, but we're no. we're dabbling. Like we both bought an Xbox Series S, so we've been like. Messing around, but you know, when we get some nine minutes the, exactly to dude. ourselves at night and then fall asleep with a controller. My kid takes a controller from me as soon as I pick it up. But uh, Hogwarts Legacy, which is the Harry Potter game that we, you and I, have dreamed about, uh, comes out tonight <laughs> at yeah, midnight. midnight. So yeah. we're, I think, we're both going to buy that. And um, again, I'm going to buy that Eli Roth uh, movie experience thing. So yeah, that's uh, exciting. Yeah. So what are you wearing? Anything oh. uh, <clears throat> synonymous with what I'm wearing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're. I think we're both in the same facility here. Uh, we're I'm, both shopping at the same store. We're both. Yeah, <laughs> we both parked in the same parking lot. 
Uh, I have the Night of the Comet t-shirt on from our buddies at Toxic Coffin, uh, which has the two main protagonists in there. Um, the colors are pink and purple. It's fucking amazing. Um, what are you wearing? Let's tie that in. I, yeah, I have my Chopping Mall shirt on, so it's my, my blue Chopping Mall shirt with, uh, I've got the red Killbot on it. And I wore this because we had our buddy uh, Casey on the uh, Patreon watch-through episode for uh, for yes, December, we did. Yeah. that was a blast. That was no, oh, I'm sorry, for January, and uh, we she chose pew, shopping pew, mall because <laughs> she had never seen it before, uh, and we had a, a blast hanging out with her, blast chatting with her, and I, I thought I would wear this. Let's in, say blast again. All right, man, family stuff, uh, real quick for you and I, and then quick. All right, quick so yeah, so my youngest, uh, Riker, he he's the one that loves horror, wants to see scary stuff all the time and um drew's gonna talk about this in the interview but it, you get to that point where it's like yeah i understand that you want to watch some of this stuff but you can't watch yeah. some of this stuff right um like i've let him watch uh you know halloween but i try to fast forward through the parts or pause it things that i know he can't watch like i, I will not let him watch 2018 kills yeah, or yeah, ends yeah. i won't let him watch any of those um those are just too violent um but so like he's aware of all the modern horror movies that are out, especially with streaming platforms. Like he sees, you can't help but see them, especially if it's on my profile, right? Uh, so he keeps seeing smile, and oh, he knows. Yeah. Like we'll, I'll chase him around the house doing a smile. Like he's aware of what the premise is. So uh, I stopped on smile, and he was like, you know how the trailer just starts playing. So yeah. he's like, uh, let me. I was like, all right, we can watch a second of it. So we get to the first sca- the first smile scare in the trailer. The, in the trailer, there's like three. So we get to the first one, and I was like, all right, that, that's it for the night. And I shut good. it off. We're good. Because he was like, oh. So the next night, he sees it again. Because before bed, it's always like he and I, and I, I let him watch something. So he's like. I just scare the fuck out of him before he closes yeah, his eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he's like, uh, hey, could you stop on uh, Smile again? And I was like, ah, well. So this time I like I biggie sized it and let him watch like what he had already seen. And then I kept it going to the second scare, which is the dude in like the hospital. And he's like, oh, my, is he going to smile? And like she goes back and like you see him. And he was like, oh, my, oh, my, oh, man. (laughs) And uh, so that was like, all right, we're done for the night. And so then uh, that night he's like, "Ah, hope I don't uh, have nightmares about the smile. And I was like, Uh, we're done. We're done. Yeah, never again. So the next night he's like. Can we watch the rest of, uh, <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, we've already made it this far. I'll let you watch the rest. So then the, the last scene in the trailer, I don't know if you remember, is when the, the, oh, this, the, the yeah, sister yeah. comes yeah. out and knocks on the, and uh, so, so that scene happens and he's like, ah, but like in a fun way, you know what I mean? Not like uh, blood curdling, but like in a, oh my, and he's like laughing. And then he was like, she walks up and she's like, knock, knock. <laughs> and it was just so so funny and a, a cool moment to share with him, even though it might have been uh, borderline inappropriate. But so uh, that's amazing, and I love talking to your son about horror films because he knows, dude, he's fucking great to talk to about horror. He knows more than most, uh, and he's like actually inquisitive about stuff. You know what I mean? He like retains it, and it's like, how are we having this conversation? He's applying logic to yeah. things <laughs> oh, that most yeah. people don't, right? <laughs> Uh, so my family antic is related to your family and my family as well. And we, we actually talk about it a little bit later on this show. Uh, but last week, last weekend, 
you, my sister, so Jamie, for those that don't know, is married to my sister. So me, Jamie, and my sister were watching uh, Pool Party Massacre, which we're going to talk about with Drew here. It's one of the films that he directed. And this is most certainly not a kid-friendly movie in oh any capacity. God, no. Not only is it very no, gory, no, no, but no. there's tons of nudity. Uh, like The dialogue the is dialogue. very yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, for those that have younger kids that like to watch horror, like, this definitely, if you have stuff that you censor, this is one to censor. Uh, but for those that are lifelong fans, like like Jamie and I are of the genre, definitely very enjoyable. But we're watching it over your house, but I had my kids there and your kids were there too. And they were doing the thing where they kept like, I'm just going to sit here in the, I was, I was just going to read a book in the corner. It's like, no, no, uh, you're not. And the whole time they kept running in, we kept having to press pause. I think the hour and 28 minute movie took us like two hours and 30 minutes to watch because we kept having to pause and take, uh, take breaks. But, uh, Nonetheless, it was fun watching it with, with you and my sister, and we had a blast. Uh, yeah, it really was it. a fun time. It was like a Saturday fun day type deal. Yeah, we, we had a blast. So a couple quick plugs before we get into our episode. So speaking of Pool Party Massacre, we did talk with Drew, and, and we forgot to include this in the edit because we had stopped recording when we, we had discussed it. But Pool Par- Party Massacre is uh, getting a sequel. So there is a fully funded part two that is going to be filmed in 2023. Uh, can't wait yeah so release date obviously pending on on a bunch of different variables but uh, drew did say he he plans to have it filmed this year so uh, we'll share out you know once there's there's detail on that to to you guys if if you check out the first one and you you want to check out the sequel uh, we'll give updates to that yeah he said that um, they had it all planned and then covid happened Uh, so he's going to rewrite some script because uh lots changed yeah, yeah a lot of shit changed so we do have a, a Patreon. We actually have two new patrons to welcome to our Patreon. Yes. So, uh, we have Nicole who has joined us. So Nicole, thank you uh, a million for, for being part of the team. And then Drew uh, has also joined us. And Drew, I think his, his handle on Instagram is Booking a Brew. He, he's been interacting with us for, for months now and great not, to talk not, to. Not Drew Marvick, different Drew. Different Drew, yeah. Uh, but drew thanks man we we appreciate you it's always great chatting with you always great talking to you about horror movies and beer and and things that we love and books so uh thank you both for joining we greatly appreciate it love you guys if you would also like to consider joining and you're not a member uh we do have a five dollar tier and a ten dollar tier so you can find us on patreon.com slash horror dads we do bonus episodes we bring our wives on we do watch through episodes with our our patrons uh, so all the tiers yeah. and the different info on those can be found at, at patreon.com. Uh, we are on social media. Instagram's our prim- primary channel, but you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Horror Dads. We have a website that you can go to to buy merch. Uh, we've been selling merch like crazy, uh, so please head to horrordads.com and check out the merch. And finally, if you do like the show, please leave a review. Uh, five stars goes a super long way, helps the algorithm, helps others find us. And it also makes us feel really, really good. Yeah, it does. Those reviews come in. So appreciate the consideration on that front. You'll get a uh, high five between John and I if you leave a uh, five star. Yeah, for sure. So with that, do you want to swing to the pool for the party? Yeah, let me uh, just take my heart-shaped necklace off. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Well,
Welcome to episode 83 of the Horror Dads podcast. We are thrilled to be joined today by our new friend, Drew Marvick, not Drew Maverick, as uh, most like to call him. So Drew Marvick's with us. He's an actor, writer, director, fellow horror dad. He's done films such as Pool Party Massacre, 13 Slays Till Christmas, and he starred in features like The Barn 2 and Slash Lorette Party, which I watched tonight. So Drew, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining us. Ah, thanks for having me. That was a great intro. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like I was practicing that for a while. Yeah, I yeah. would have just said Drew Maverick and left it at that. Yeah, here's yeah. a guy, his name's Drew Maverick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have embarrassed myself and all of us. Drew, we are so happy to have you on, man. No, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I've been watching. Wh- um, where am I? Where are you guys? <laughs> We're in Northeast Ohio, Youngstown. Uh, so we're like oh, okay. an hour east of Cleveland, hour west of Pittsburgh. So right on the border. I've heard of it. Yeah. And you're where? You're out in Las Vegas? I'm in Las Vegas. Yeah. Nice. Are you a boin, born, born and raised, born and raised uh, a <laughs> Las, no. Las Vegan? No. Uh, I was um, from Southern California. I moved here to go to college and then I'm never still left. Here. Yeah. Let's start from the beginning, man. Like you're involved, it seems like, in a lot of different aspects of the film process acting, writing, directing, and whatnot. But uh, I feel like every credential on your IMDb profile is like a horror film. So, like, what bring us in from the beginning? Like, how did this all start? Like, what got you into yeah, film and what Drew. got you into horror? <laughs> a little Drew. So it all started. Um, well, I mean, I guess like probably everyone in film that's around my age, um, like I started making weird home movies with my parents' giant camcorder when I was a kid in the eighties, and I was just obsessed um, with movies. My parents, luckily, my parents were really into movies. It was a big part of our family. I'm an only child, so it's just me and my parents and my dog Mindy. Um, we <laughs> the four the four of us would watch movies often. Um, but yeah, so movies were a big part of my childhood. My mom would rent movies um, at our local rental place, Video Lake, and she would illegally duplicate them. Oh yeah, she oh, yeah. had two VCRs, and so. Uh, she would just fill up blank tapes. So each tape would have, I don't know, two, three, maybe four movies if they would fit. And we had a wall like this, actually, in in our house that was just full of VHS tapes. So if you could imagine, it had hundreds of VHS tapes, and each one had probably at least three movies on it. So, Yeah, it's like Liar, Liar, and Commando or some, something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it, was a lot of, it was a lot of movies. And it was just a ritual. She would go, you know, like every Friday and rent ran a bunch of movies we would watch one or two and the other ones she would record for the other days of the week until the next week when she got more so we had a movie for almost every night essentially um and so i had access to this wall of movies my entire childhood and not much censorship either like my parents aren't aren't crazy um but they didn't worry about what i listened to or watched necessarily like barring like porn but yeah. they, they just they just weren't they were they're great parents and they were actually very strict in other ways but that was the one thing they didn't seem to care about like oh if you want to watch police academy and there's boobs in it big deal you're Fine, a, yeah. a 12 you're a 12 year old boy who cares <laughs> so i had access to movies like that like i grew up watching police academy over and over and over and over and over again and porkies um but also there was a bunch of horror movies on there so i grew up loving movies watching them and fascinated with the process of how they were made um i wanted to make movies or be a photographer those were the things that i really wanted to do when i was a kid i just didn't think either one was a real job like that 
or I didn't think that a normal kid had access to growing up to being one of those. Yeah, like just, a, attainable. Was, yeah. Yeah. yeah like when a you're a kid and like you see you're a teacher in a grocery store, you're like, oh my God, what the fuck are you doing here? Like you yeah. eat, you eat food. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, at that juncture, it's like that you don't connect it as a kid. Like, oh, I, I couldn't do that. Other people do that. Right. Yeah. Or even just, and then even more specifically with movies, like you have, you're, you have to be from Hollywood, I guess. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even though I grew up in Orange County, California, which is, I don't know, an hour from Hollywood, it's still, I wasn't in Hollywood. I didn't think I could do it. So I wanted to. So I made, I made little home movies that I wish I still had. And I even went to like a video television production class in high school after, like I went to like a night, adult night school to get a degree in video television production when I was 16, I guess, when I graduated. But but then I didn't, and then I was going to go to film school and my dad talked me out of it. Um, rightfully so now in hindsight, but at the time I thought he was a dick. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but he was smart. I mean, as a dad, as a dad related podcast, yeah. um, I could say he, he was right. He, um, just kind of sat me down and asked me what my goals were with it and what I was going to do and why I wanted to go. And I'm sure my answers were like, Oh, yeah. like, I like movies. I don't know. And so he said, all right, well, how about you get a business degree? Because that applies to every field, even making movies. Because once you make a movie, you're going to need to know how to manage the set. You're going to need to know how to sell your your movie and how to market it. So since you don't know what you want to do, get a business degree. And then when you're done with that, hopefully you'll know. And then you can narrow your focus. And, and I was like, that sounds boring and stupid. <laughs> But then he was like, well, either you can get a business degree and I'll pay your tuition or you can get a go to film school and pay your own tuition. And I was like, sweet business school. Yeah, Yeah. no brainer at that point. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) And like I said, in hindsight, he was right. And actually, and then that's how I got into film. Like I kind of abandoned the idea by the time I got out of college. I got a like an office job and then I started managing nightclubs in Las Vegas. and. One of my employees, I managed um, Coyote Ugly. Which really? Heard of Coyote Ugly? Yeah, I was the general manager of the Coyote Ugly. Holy on, shit, on, dude! On the Las Vegas Strip, and one of my bartenders um, was going to film school, so we I would like talk film stuff with her um, every night when we were slow and joke like, "I'm if you ever need if you ever on a set and they need a PA." Like if it happens to be my half of a day off every week, I'll come do it. Um, and then one day she was like, Hey, I'm working on a big commercial and actually we need help. And I just quit. I just left coyote and was going to take a couple months off of work. And so I jumped on this commercial thinking I would just do it for fun. And then I jumped on another one and then jumped on another one. And do you remember what that first commercial was like, what it was for? I do. It was for the local newspaper here, the Las Vegas Review Journal. Oh, nice! And it was like a, and it was like a huge campaign, like for them, for a local news newspaper. I mean, they're like the biggest newspaper we have in Las Vegas, but like the Daily Bugle. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like the Youngstown Tribune, or I don't know what you guys have. There you go. We had we had (laughs) the Youngstown Vindicator, but it's since uh, shuttered its doors, sadly, because of uh, uh, some people think think print is dead but as your background attests and ours you know we don't yeah. think print is dead so 
it's it's not but this and this was a long a yeah. long time ago too but um but yeah it was a big like uh commercial campaign for them that i mean it was three weeks of shooting yeah. for that campaign and then it just kept kept going and then i ended up i kept i met my wife at the time um I kept saying, like, I just want, I just really want to do this. It's always what I wanted to do. Let me just, I'm just going to do this for a couple months and then I'll get a real job again. And then I kept saying that for uh, like 15 years. Like, don't worry. <laughs> it's like that. It's like the, uh, the scene in uh, Princess Bride when Wesley's talking about how the Dread Pirate Roberts was like, I'll most likely kill you in the morning. Like, it was kind of like that, where I was like, I know, I know, just one more. Let me just do this one indie film. Yeah. And then I'll get a real job again. Let me just do this one more commercial. And then I never did. So, what, Good. What, yeah, I, that's great, man. Like, and thank God you're doing what you love. And so, what was your first, uh, your like not the film that you watched but your first production you were involved in that like was your entry into horror and made you realize like holy shit this is so fun yeah well i mean growing up like i said i watched a lot of horror my mom was into horror and there was a lot of horror on her wall of illegal vhs so <laughs> horror was just kind of what i always wanted to make <laughs> yeah um so that's what was always in the back of my mind like once i started in production uh and like I just produced commercials for, I don't know, probably 10 years before I even worked on a, anything that was a narrative. Sure. Like, um, and then I worked on a friend's short, I produced and starred in a friend's short film that was horror. And that was tons of fun. And then I just made that, that one actually just made me realize, well, I could do, I could do this. Like I could make a horror short. Yeah. Why not? Um, so I guess it was that, that one was kind of the catalyst and then um, I don't know if you guys remember Horror Block. It was like one of the first horror subscription boxes. Hmm. I, I, but I, I don't remember that. Yeah. I mean, it might have even been the first. It was. I think they've been out of business for probably at least ten years now. But uh, they teamed up with Rue Morgue Magazine and did a short film contest. Oh, and shit. I saw it in the Rue Morgue Magazine, I guess. And you could win cash by making a horror short and submitting it. So that was like the little push that I needed a little spark. So I, yeah, so I got, and I, and I had this unfair advantage as a new filmmaker that I produced commercials for a living. So I had access to like working crew people yeah. that were very, that were very talented that I, that were now my friends and I worked with on a regular basis and I actually provided work for them. So they didn't mind helping me. Yeah. Helping you out. Uh, yeah. So I called a couple friends and I like wrote a short, uh, script called scared to death and i spent 96 dollars on it i think and we shot it over two nights and i submitted it and it won second or third place i think it didn't win first place but but it won and i got like two grand in cash and wow that's got, incredible got put on a yeah i got put on a dvd release from rumorg and horror block and got that's a bunch amazing. of promotion. holy shit how long yeah. was it how long was the short yeah um that's a great question. I don't know, five or six minutes. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. It's, um, I haven't thought about it in a long time. It, it exists. It's on YouTube. It's on the Kings of horror YouTube channel, actually. Um, and I actually just had to dig it up because a friend of mine is making an anthology in the UK and oh, nice. they needed, they needed a, a short that took place on Halloween and so, asked if I had one and I just sent it to him. So from there, 
you get the recognition, you win the 2000 bucks. And then is it like, yeah. I'm never looking back or like, how does, how does it proceed from there? No. I mean, then I just kind of went back to my day job of producing mm. commercials so I could pay my bills and feed my kids. Um, so at that point, then, the commercial was a full-time gig though. You weren't doing the coyote. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, no, it's from day one, from that very first commercial, I never went back. Dude, that's that's really awesome. So it's been, it'll be probably, it's like 20 years of full-time working in film. It's incredible. So yeah. So you're, uh, you, you mentioned your kids and whatnot, so you're, mm-hmm. you're a fellow horror you're dad. You're a horror dad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think- Very much. I mean, you've touched on a lot of like themes and notes that are very important to us and kind of why we do this whole thing, which is that- you know, beyond what we do here, you know, Jamie and I, we've got day jobs too. So, and we live in like a middle-class suburban area and we've <laughs> yeah. got to go to the fucking pool and like talk to other dads and stuff. And they're like, people are always like, you, you like, you like there's, the, the, there's the stuff with blood. Somebody's bleeding on your shirt. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah. And it, we found <laughs> ourselves in this conundrum of like, we didn't think we'd ever be in the position where it's like, oh my God, I have to like talk to people I don't like. And get by and and do this and then oh, going to birthday parties for your kids oh. oh my god and then you start to feel like a little shame too and it's like should i feel guilty coaching my daughter's softball team wearing a a, <laughs> a shirt that says war machine with like with rumsfeld from uh from the burbs on it and with queenie laying at his feet and a girl in a bikini and my wife's like you can't wear that fucking shirt and but like the whole thing behind this for us is like hey is this you know we're we we should feel the way we feel like we, you like what you like, you are what you are. And yeah, we live in suburban neighborhoods and have kids, but like, this is our thing. Right. And we, we enjoy this. So yeah, it's that balance of being a responsible parent, but also indoctrinating your kids into like your lifestyle. Right. Yeah. And, and you, but Drew, you touched on it even in what you said, like, Hey, I'm just going to do this for a little bit. Then I'll go get a real job. But you know, here you are 20 years later, this has been a real job and it's provided oh, yeah. for you and your family. Right. So, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said earlier, I have a 16 year old son and a 12 year old daughter. So I guess I've been a dad for 16 years now. Yeah. And, um, but my kids definitely like grew up with horror as a big part of their life. Like from day one, I mean, 16 years ago, I was already a, a huge horror fan and would go to horror conventions and film, film festivals and premieres and screenings. So my son's been around it forever and there were horror posters framed in our house and, so he's been around it forever, but also c- kind of grew up by the time he was old enough to remember, I was already on working on sets. Like I was making, like he was there when I made that first short scared to death. Like he was sitting behind the couch, like me with me telling him to stop talking when we were rolling <laughs> and he had to hold the door. Like he was so excited. There's a scene where he had to stop the door from opening all the way. Like we needed to stop. And instead of using a sandbag, I was like, this will keep Got a job busy. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Just sit here and let, stop the door <laughs> with your body. Um, so from that day on, he's been on tons of, of horror movie sets, um, including like Pool Party Massacre almost every day. We shot Pool Party Massacre at, between my house and my parents' house. So when he got out of school, like he would walk home from the bus or I would pick him up or my parents would pick him up from the bus stop and he would just be on set. Unless we were shooting something that he couldn't see if there's nudity. Yeah. Then he would like they would have to take my kids to the park or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. But other than that, they were there. <laughs> like my so my son is squirting blood in like several scenes <laughs> in that movie. And he was what, like, like eight at the time? Yeah, let's see. We shot 
2000 he was 10 we were shooting in like 2016 okay and he was born in 2006 so yeah he was 10 that's awesome and my and my daughter was like six and they were both both there i have like one of my favorite photos ever is me like look checking the monitors for that opening kill with leanna vamp when she gets her throat slit and it's just um a still photo that the on-set photographer took of me and I'm wearing the jumpsuit and I'm actually holding the, that saw because we were shooting that scene where I slit her throat and I'm like scratching my head with the saw staring at the, <laughs> staring at the monitor and my daughter is on a chair right behind me. And she's like <gasps> staring at the monitor with this big gasp. And the photographer just caught that moment. That's incredible. You guys got to share that. Yeah. So- and we still, and we still do like my daughter's been in, um, I mean, they've both been in lots of commercials, but they've also been in movies. Like my son's now been, um, he's in my short on both my kids are in the short, my short for 1031 part two, my son has a bigger part in it. Um, and he was great in that. My son, my son and I were both in the barn. Uh, we, we were just watching it uh, before we started rolling. I watched the the whole movie last night, but that's such an amazing the barn part two that, uh, yeah, Madman, Madman Mars, Madman Mars scene, yeah. the uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Two scene. Yeah. It's 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 awesome. Oh, thank that was it was fun. I was so glad I got to work on that too. I was a huge fan of the barn, and through that, and it actually came out right around the same time as Pool Party Massacre. We kind of overlapped at some festivals and our releases, and we're doing a lot of the same things separately. I didn't know Justin at the time, and then we ended up meeting and becoming friends. Yeah, so that's awesome. I was, I was glad when he called me and asked me if I would be in it. Do your kids, do they, do they watch horror? Are they into it? Uh, aside yeah. from the involvement with, with your stuff? Yeah, totally. I mean, like my, my son in particular still, he still does, but he's the one that like grew up watch. Like I actually, unlike a lot of my friends didn't expose him to like graphic horror movies at an early age. Um, I just, for me and for him, I, I kind of like started him off slow and we watched Universal Monster stuff and then like Monster Squad and movies like that and would make yeah. him wait. So, I mean, when he was, you know, eight or nine, he hadn't seen Nightmare on Elm Street or Texas Chainsaw Massacre or, or anything like that. And a lot of my friends, it's like when their kids are four, they're already <laughs> like showing showing them everything, which I don't have a stance on that every I smart enough to know that every household is different every kid is different every parenting style is different but for me it's just not how i did it so i kind of we started off slow um so but then by the time he was 11 or 12 we and we would go watch everything that we could in the theaters and i would watch lots of movies with him um but so he's grown up watching it but it was a slow like a gradual progression um and now that he's 16, he is a big horror fan, wants to make horror movies. He's written a, like several horror scripts. Oh. oh, man, that's awesome. So you'll probably inevitably, you know, collaborate on a project at some time, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, probably not. Not anytime soon, though, because he's also 16 years old. So he like wants none of my input. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. Like, he Tell him to go to, to business help. school. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Send him to business school first. I mean, he literally does it like he's in a he's a sophomore in high school and he's in a he's in a video class at his school. And so they'll have projects like he just had to write, a, write and direct and shoot and deliver a, a PSA. And then the first project was like a 30 second short film. I don't remember what the subject was. And now he has to make a commercial. 
Man, schools have come a long way since my day. (laughs) Yeah. And so he'll bring bring it to me like he wants my help. And then when I start to give it to him, he's like, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just going to, I got, I got this. I'm like, oh, okay. I thought, I thought you wanted my help. I do this for a living. I've actually been doing it longer than the guy that's teaching you, but okay. So yeah, so he's very much into it, but he also grew up going to conventions and film festivals with me. Like he was my convention buddy from like 2000, from 10 years old until recently, probably like 10 to 14 like that mm, yeah. or nine to 14, like that five-year gap, he went to almost every convention with me. So he grew up on the convention floor and in green rooms with celebrities. And like, we would go, we would go to conventions and the, under the guys that he would help me, like, it was always like, you have to work the booth. Like you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you have to, you have to help your dad. And he would for, I don't know, 30 minutes or so. And then he would slowly like disappear or need to go, you know, check on something or get a snack or use the bathroom. And then, then he'd just be gone. Um, which was fine. Like he was, as long as he was in the building, that was always my rule. Like you don't ever leave the convention yeah. floor and you keep your phone on you so I can get a hold of you. But other than that, I'm you're safe. You're fine. But he would like come, like I remember one convention in particular uh, in Stockton, California, he pretty much abandoned me completely for a whole day, the whole Saturday. And then he, and he kept coming back to, ch- like we also had rule, like he'd have to check, check in every hour and things like that. So we'd come back every hour and check in and I'd ask him what he's doing. And he's like, Oh, I'm just hanging. I made a bunch of friends. I'm hanging out with my friends. And then at one point he was like, Oh, can I bring my friend a copy of pool party massacre? I told her that my dad made this movie and she said she was really excited. And I said, well, is it, is your friend your age? He said, no, no, no. She's, a, she's an adult. She's an adult. And I'm like, okay, well, yes, she can have a copy. But if your friend is an adult, I need to meet this person. Like if you're spending time with an adult, yeah, I need to meet this person. And he was like, oh, I'm, I taught her how to use a fidget spinner. Uh, she's great. And so he kept coming back to talk about Heather, Heather, this Heather's great. And so I'm like, well, why don't you bring Heather by when she has a chance and then I'll give her a copy of the movie or whatever. He's like, okay, cool. I'll bring her by. And then I didn't think much of it again. And the next hour came up and up walks my son and Heather Langenkamp. Oh, oh my God. God. I was wondering and, if that's where yeah. this was going. That's and, amazing. And I, look, and I look up and she's like, hi, how are you doing? My name's Heather. And I'm like, yeah, hi, Heather. I'm, yes, I'm you well are. Aware. Yes, you yes, are very much yes, Heather. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> and she's like, I just want you to know that your son is amazing. And he taught me how to use a fidget spinner. And he's been sitting at my table all day helping me with with all of my fans as they come up and and he was going to give me a copy of your movie and, and she's like and i love that you told him he had to bring me here like that's so great like <laughs> as a mom like so she was great i gave her a copy of the movie and he went back to to helping her and then throughout the weekend that just kept happening and then it, he would became with friends with everyone from dream warriors and like jennifer rubens had to come by to meet me too because she loved him so much and then all of a sudden it was everyone Amanda Wiss was like, Oh my God, this is your dad. Like, That's so, so that cool. just became oh a thing God. at every, con- every convention we would go to. Cause he was this cute little blonde kid that was running around in like a nightmare on Elm street shirt with a, like a vendor badge or a guest badge, like meeting everyone. And so every convention we'd go, he'd make friends with celebrities and other vendors. And I got to the point where people knew him Oh, that's like awesome. more more so than me at that point in time, actually. So we would be walking into a convention for the second time, whatever that convention would be, and his name's Deegan. 
and people would be going, what's up, Deegan? Yo, Deegan. <laughs> and I'd be like, Hey, uh, Deegan's dad. Um, can yeah. you get Deegan and I a soda? And you're like, what yeah, the fuck? <laughs> pretty much. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> that would be such a weird perspective to like, I can't even really fathom the perspective of like meeting these people and hanging out with them and then learning who they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, I see what you're saying. Weird. Yeah. He has no, I mean, I guess just like I wouldn't when I was 10, but he didn't have a concept of it back then. Like he could tell when someone was like, he was aware that they were famous. Clearly they were a guest with a banner and there was a lot like Heather Langkamp had a line of a hundred people waiting to meet her sure. or whatever. But I mean, he didn't really process it. Like it's a funny story um, with Corey Taylor from Slipknot. Um, I've known Corey for, I don't know, 10 years or something like that. Uh, through mutual friends. And there was a point in time where Corey's son Griffin was like, I don't know, 12. And my son was nine or 10. And like Griffin had, would spend the night at our house. And Deegan had spent the night at Griffin's house a couple of times. And we would go to barbecues and stuff like that. And then as he, my son got older, he became a huge Slipknot fan. And I would mention sometimes like, I know, you know, I know Corey. And he'd be like, yeah, whatever, dad. And then all, the, all of a sudden, one point, like this point in time happens where suddenly, like out of the blue, he's like, wait, hold on. Is Griffin's dad Corey Taylor? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, Corey, the singer of Slipknot. I'm like, the guy on your shirt. Yes, that's Griffin's. He's like, I've been to Corey Taylor's house. I'm like, yeah, he spent the night. And it was like this, his mind exploded. Like, yeah. And at that point in time, he hadn't, like he hadn't seen Griffin in years. And it was just this little slice of time for when my son was like nine or 10 years old. And then they didn't see each other again. So that's five funny, years yeah. later, he realized he's like, wait, uh, wait. And that's awesome for him to like get exposure to. Right. So if he wants to, you know, make films and, and do stuff, it's, yeah. Uh, it's it's hard for Jamie and I. I'm in my mid thirties. Jamie's forty, you know. Yeah. And at this point, you know, we still meet people, and I'm like, I always know what to say, and I'm always composed, <laughs> and I am not composed in this moment, and I don't know what to say, and I am an adult with children and a job, and I can't formulate a fucking sentence. And but kids, they don't give a shit. But kids, yeah. So yeah. if you like, if you learn that adaptability uh, early on, that's that's, yeah, that's awesome, awesome, man. That's so that's so fun. And Iowa was a very critical album for both Jamie and I as we for started getting yeah. very into everybody music. Everybody who's so, into yeah. heavy music, for yeah. Sure. Well, and it, well, if yeah, it's their best album according to my son. Well, I I completely agree with your son. Uh, so humor, speaking of which, seems to be you know a hundred percent part of your creative process, and you know we're big fans of not taking life too seriously. We were kind of talking before the, sh the show started about that with you. So uh, are you a big comedy fan too? Or um, what? Yeah. Like what's, I guess your relationship Anyone with who humor talks yeah. to us about police Academy. <laughs> yeah. They're into humor. John. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, humor and comedy has always been a big part of my life. Like, I guess I was a class clown um, growing up and I was an only child. So I had to entertain myself constantly. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been, I mean, it's been just a part of my life and, and a big part of my character since as long as I can remember, but it's also just been like a, it's like a tool, I guess that yeah. I was able to use. Like it's gotten me friends. It's gotten me out of fights. It's gotten me into <laughs> situations, out of situations. And so it's just always been a big, 
uh, part of who I was. And then as a filmmaker and a creative, um, it's just, I guess, part of my voice. Like sometimes I don't realize it. Um, and that's, and other times I do, and I use it and I'm fully self-aware, um, that it's also a crutch. Like I use it as a crutch. I think it's a lot easier to make someone laugh than it is to scare someone, mm. uh, at least like through film. Um, I mean, you can have like a fart joke and you can make people laugh, Yeah, but to actually create like true, uh, suspense or like a feeling of dread is difficult. And if you miss that mark, if that's what you're going for when you're making a movie is to truly scare someone and you miss it, then your movies, you're left with nothing. A bad movie, I guess in, in the most of the viewers eyes at least. But if you're just going to entertain them and make them laugh, the chances are they're going to laugh at some point to be a little bit entertained at least. Um, So, so in that regard, it's kind of like a crutch. I yeah. think it was either Wes Craven or John Carpenter. We've talked about this in the past that was talking about how I think he was saying that it was difficult to make I think more difficult the opposite, to, yeah, right? more difficult to make comedies, but like a but similarly like a true comedy like a like a like an American pie or whatever it might be, like a true true comedy like if your jokes miss in that environment then similarly like if your intent is to scare someone and you don't scare them in conversely if your intent is just to make somebody laugh and you don't make them laugh it's like again, you end up left like freddie got fingered yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly well and that's yeah in the in the actual comedy genre like in that space yeah that's 100 percent true but we're in this horror bubble where it's like anything goes and yeah we as horror fans are for the most part really loyal and forgiving of our genre i mean facebook would um say otherwise right now but (laughs) but still like we're pretty pretty forgiving especially if we can tell that it's um coming from an authentic place like it's pretty obvious when at least for me it's obvious when i'm watching an indie horror film if it's made by someone who's also an indie horror fan or someone that is either just trying to be in it or just trying to make money yeah 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 like you like you can see heart in it i guess for more sure. so than in another genre it'd be hard to tell like in a comedy if that person you know if they're they're or like a romantic comedy i guess to be specific like there isn't yeah. aren't too many people who dedicate their life and like make their identity <laughs> yeah. romantic comedies and Unless you're are like wearing ben like stiller yeah yeah well but even a... him like i don't see him like he doesn't wear like a failure to launch shirt <laughs> which would be cool i might make that shirt um, i mean that's not a bad idea man. i, I see your point now but yeah like horror it's Ma- like made in manhattan beanie yeah yeah it's like people's i it's their identity um which is oh a thing my god so i mean there's almost like a uniform you know, if you go to a convention and look around for like a horror fan, uh, yeah. so but like this. that doesn't exist with other genres yet. You're 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 right. I don't. I'm working on it. I might I might <laughs> do the first romantic comedy convention. I mean, ever think of that. I mean, I, I'm just trying to think of the cocktails. Dude, have I to have like... love Hewitt tattoo is sick. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, just like silhouette of Freddie Prince Jr.'s hair from the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> they just have all the same merch that you would have at a horror convention, but romantic comedy 
Oh. Wise. We have a like, buddy who would be totally in on this. Yeah. Our buddy Jason. Jason, my college roommate, who went through a lot of grueling nights for him. Of We would have shitty horror movie Thursday every night in college uh, where we would watch like. And he would like go to bed and watch Made in Manhattan. Dude, it would, it'd be, I'd be like, dude, we're watching uh, <laughs> Sleepaway Camp 3 tonight. And he'd be like, oh, I haven't seen one or two. So I think I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna check in and watch Failure, failure Launch. <laughs> oh, he missed out. Yeah, this oh, he did. Camp Three is amazing. Yeah, he he did miss out. So I love that, and those were the movies that were my favorite. Like uh, I guess through like my high school years and on, um, I gravitated towards campy comedic horror movies. Like my, I often joke that my favorite movies. If you take any big horror franchise, my favorite movie is probably going to be Part Two. Oh, like, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. just, it just worked. Not always, but it, but, but probably because for a lot of those franchises, that's like when they, the first one was great. And then the second one kind of goes off the rails. Took some chances. A little bit. Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre 2. That's yeah. like my favorite yeah. movie ever made. Yeah. There you go. And that's a perfect example of like, all right, we, uh, we did a thing. We're going to do a different thing now and we're going to do a different thing yeah. real hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you're not going to understand it. We're going to have the same, some of the same characters and it's just going to be batshit crazy and have a completely different tone and fuck you. And there will be I chainsaws, like especially yeah. in the eighties. I feel like in the yeah. early nineties, like the sequel was always fucking batshit. Yes. Like it's not so much now. I yeah. mean, I, I'm going to try to bring that back, but please, but do. it definitely was. I mean, there the other great example that I use, overuse is slumber party massacre too. Because that was even just just like what the fuck, so, yeah, so far, yeah, like, <laughs> and yeah, again, yeah. Like some of the same characters. It's supposed to be the same world, like it's yeah, it's the same canon, but it's like what the fuck, yeah, yeah. this is not the same. The same. Yeah. It's like no. in a soap opera when a new character, it like the same characters on the show, but it's a new guy, and you're like, that's not the same guy. Uh, excuse me, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Or when, yeah, exactly. Or yeah. when they just obviously don't know what else to do but make it his twin brother. Yeah, and yeah exactly. Like, what? <laughs> that's that's '80s horror sequels. They're like, yeah. guess what? Everybody has a twin. Yeah. Let's 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 jump to Pool Party Massacre. So all this conversation about '80s horror and 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 sequels and whatnot. Uh, so this was your your first feature film, yeah, that came out in 2017. First, first feature. Well, it actually. I had produced and starred in a feature right before this um, that still has never come out, um, but I didn't write it or directed it. I just produced and starred in it. And it was a bigger feature. We had a $200,000 budget. Whoa. Um, yeah. So that was, which was fun and it was a great experience and hopefully someday it will come out. Yeah. Uh, it's done. Yeah. It's done. I mean, it lives on a hard drive at the oh, man. Direct, director's, I don't know, closet or something. What's it called? Uh, <clears throat> Bob Freeman Exterminator for Hire. Oh, Drew, shit. we have to get this. Yeah. It's um when I say we, I mean the collective world. <laughs> yeah. Need this. It's it's like a I mean, I guess it's a horror comedy. Uh it's definitely a comedy, but it's um it's like a family friendly monster movie of sorts. It's about a in this universe, there are real monsters, vampires, werewolves, and stuff, but the average person doesn't know they exist. They're kind of in the underworld, but Bob Freeman is a monster exterminator for hire, and this is what he does. Um, and so, which there's other movies with a similar premise. And his dad's kidnapped by the cult by a cult, 
and he's trying to find his dad. I happen to be part of a documentary crew that was making a documentary about them when his dad gets kidnapped and they allow us to continue to film while they go try to rescue his dad. So through all the wackiness that ensues of them bursting into vampire dens to get because of clues and, you know, killing zombies and all of this and other monsters. But then simultaneously, I was on all these commercial sets. Like we um, used to produce a lot of stuff for Nike and we do Adidas and Under Armour stuff and like big, we'd be working on big commercials um, with like LeBron James or whatever. Oh, damn. And yeah. And so I'm surrounded by really talented people, like super talented cinematographers and other creatives and the people on the lighting, good grip and electric teams. And all these people went to film school, especially like the camera department and the production department and the directors, everyone went to film school because they wanted to make a movie. Like nobody went to film school to make corporate videos or even commercials. Like even though commercials are great and you learn later that they actually pay better and they can be really fulfilling and it's a great career path to take. But when you go to film school, you're, I doubt there's anyone that's like, man, I can't wait to make a 30 second commercial. That's my dream. Yeah. yeah. For teeth whitening strips. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or even (laughs) like here in Vegas, like there's people that your career is filming a keynote speaker at a convention and then that's it. And that's a job. There's so many conventions and it it buys you a house and it pays your bills and it's a, it's a career, but you didn't go to film school because you wanted to film a keynote speaker at an Amazon convention. Um, (laughs) So anyway, I'm surrounded by all these super talented people that are far more talented than me. And I sit with them as a producer as they as they're shooting the project or lighting the project or editing the project or doing the VFX. And I would talk to them and ask them, you know, what do you want to have? Why have you ever made a movie? Have you done anything narrative? And they would like undoubtedly all say, that's what I want to do. But I just haven't found the right time or the right project. Or I'm afraid that it's not going to be good enough or I haven't gotten enough money. And it it was always seemed to be a fear actually the like they were f- afraid of failing like everybody wants their movie the first movie to be pulp fiction yeah and yeah none of them will be ever again so but that's that that fear like this fear of failing of ba- finally making your first movie the thing you've been talking about doing for so long and that you went to film school for and then what if people don't oh my god what if people don't like it uh, which is a valid fear uh i'm just fortunate enough to not be born with that at all this fear of failing especially when it comes to artistic endeavors so i i didn't understand it and i would argue with them and say well i'll help you like let's just make it who cares like even if nobody watches it let's just make it like i don't know let's just make stuff what the fuck let's make things and so (laughs) i was simultaneously yelling at all these crew people and friends saying well fine i'll just make a movie then I'll show you that it doesn't matter if you fail because I'll make a movie and fail miserably. And then you can make yours and it'll be better than mine. And everybody wins. Um, So between those two things, I finally was like, well, fuck it. I guess I should just, I should just make a movie. Right. And then like a sign from God, um, my friend, Brian Mills, who ended up shooting, co-producing and shooting and editing pool party massacre called me and told me that he had just bought a new camera. And that he loved it. He was uh, a cinematographer and an editor and owned his own production company. And I would hire him for things. And I would rent gear from him. And he said, hey, I just got a new camera set up. 
it's rad. It shoots 4K. It's amazing. In fact, I would love to shoot a feature on it. I'm just letting you know in case you need me, like, so you know what I have. But also, if you know anyone that has a script ready to go, I have a couple months off of slow time. I would totally shoot a feature film for free just to, like, get to know my camera better. And yeah. So, so if you know anyone, let me know. And I'm no dummy. So I just instantly lied to him and said that I had a script ready to go. Um, and he said, you do? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I have a feature horror script. It's like ready to rock. Let's make it. And he said, okay, cool. What's it called? And I rattled off Pool Party Massacre just from my brain. And he was like, oh, I like the sound of it. All right, cool. Send it. Send it over. Let me read it. And so I... Oh, my power's right. out. I'll send it tomorrow Started morning. Coffee. No, I, I, was like, I was like, well, I haven't looked at it in a while. Let me like dust it off and, you know, punch it up a little bit or polish it up a little bit and I'll send it over to you. And I just jumped in my office and spent the next, whatever it was, three days writing the very first draft of Pool Party Massacre. And then I sent it over to him and he said, respond, said he loved it. And let's make a movie. That's awesome. And so man. That, that was at least the beginning i mean it evolved like at that point in time he had whatever it was like a month and a half he was in the about to move to florida so he had not taken any gigs and then the move got delayed like the house he was supposed to move into had an issue and it got pushed back a month and a half so he's like i had canceled all my i cleared my schedule because i was going to be moving and now not so i have nothing to do but we would have had to have started shooting like that week like it was so we were about to we were just going to like no prep this first draft of a script that I wrote, no money, Whoa. nothing. Yeah. And, but just again, just to create, just to make something. And it didn't matter. Like we didn't think it would actually be a movie that people would, that would ever exist on a DVD or a Blu-ray or people would watch. We were just going to do it for fun. And, and in fact, the earliest inception, because we had such a short amount of time, I was going to play all the characters. <laughs> Like I had decided, I'm like, I will literally play every character. So there won't be any two shots. Or if there is, maybe I can have like a stand in in a wig, but it'll literally Tom, be me. Tom Hanks and Polar Express. Yeah. I will be every male and female character in the entire movie. And we'll make it for like, I think originally I was like, we'll make it for $11. Because that'll be like our big thing. Like we can tell people we made an $11 movie. Yeah. And as long as, and as long as it looks like it's like an $1,100 movie, we'll be in luck. Um, but then we just, luckily actually he talked me off the ledge and was like, I actually like this idea, like the script too much. Like maybe we should take some more time and cast some actors and not have you play every role and maybe put a little (laughs) bit more money into it. So then I made adjustments to the script, um, made the script a little better. We actually held auditions and cast people. Um, his move got delayed again. So that worked in our favor and then we actually started making a real movie and so you guys crowdfunded it right no no we just did it from our pockets we oh, just started amazing. yeah we just started shooting so it ended up being like with no idea of what it was gonna i didn't even though i made budgets for a living for for film for <laughs> i didn't make a budget because we didn't have a lot of money so i just said we'll just go like we'll just fund it as we go and see what yeah. happens so, so it ended up being about six thousand dollars like when all was said and done um Damn. that's insane yeah. um this won't shock anybody but wikipedia lied then because it totally says on there that you crowdfunded it oh, uh, then they totally lied yeah 
Fucking bullshit, Wikipedia. Well, <laughs> it's peer-reviewed, so we can go fix it tonight. I uh, so whose house is this filmed at? So it's like the opening scene is at my house, is in my backyard, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be the next-door neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... I love that scene so much, that beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, it's great. That's the why intro we... scene, everything, like the, the opening intro sequence with... Uh, like the 8-bit? Cutsman playing, yeah. 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 Everything about I've, it, and then the intro pool scene. I I love it. I think I messaged you as I was watching it because I was like, I I'd been wanting to watch the movie and I hadn't gotten around to it. And then I, you know, was you know working down here one day and I I had it on the background and um it was one of those things where I, I like kept like shifting and then it was like you know what my work is now done and I just like started <laughs> watching watching, so I started it over and horse the band brings us in uh, which is very you know, was a very important band for Jamie and I, uh, particularly in our, our college years. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. And then the eight bit like intro sequence. So good. So, so good. After that, that preliminary kill with Leanna Vamp and the way the whole, uh, uh, setting is, is, is placed. It's just, it feels super comfortable. You could tell it's an eighties throwback. It's an homage. Uh, and then it starts to evolve into the tools going up in, in, in the, in the tool so, shed. And so good. We were talking about <laughs> the outline. Oh dude, the mutilator vibes to that, like the different yeah. tools and whatnot. And again, to your point about there not being a, a, a rom-com convention, you know, the, <laughs> the, the heartstrings that were tugged as like long-term horror fans, as we watch this, it's like, y- you don't have to have a hundred million dollar budget to tell that people that cared about this made this movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that gleaned so genre so lovers. Strongly. Yeah. Yeah. For and sure. that's like the big, that's the best review that, that I could get of the film because that's what I am. Like I'm a horror fan that was making my first horror movie and I wasn't making it to try. Like I didn't think it would make any money. I didn't think it would make a dollar. Like there was no, yeah. that wasn't my, concern at the time my concern was making making a movie and making a movie that i would want to watch or actually i would always i told the other people that were working on it that i was making a movie that 15 year old drew would love like that was the goal yeah like if we could go back in time and get 15 year old me i want to make a movie that he would carry around the vhs in his backpack to his friend's house and be like you gotta see this movie pool party massacre and so that's how i would describe it and then a lot of the people in the movie are young enough that they'd be like what you would have what in your backpack? <laughs> but, but like, that was my goal. I just wanted it to be, I wanted to make 15 year old me proud. And I wanted it to be obvious. I wanted to make a movie from heart. Not even that I cared if people could tell that I was a horror fan, but now in hindsight, like I'm glad that that's what shines through. Cause I am. Cause that's where, that's where the whole movie was born from. And so, it was just a, pa- just a passion project. So the other half of the film, though, you said was at your, your parents' house? The Yeah, so then the rest of the movie, I mean, with the rest of the movie is my parents' house, yeah. Like the actual Winthorpe house that you see, that backyard, yeah. and most in the exterior, and most of the interiors. There were anywhere where, any scene where there was blood sprayed on the inside, we actually shot at my house, just cheated it at my house, too. So like the, sh- <laughs> the shower... The bathroom with the weed whacker shower kill was actually my daughter's bathroom. Yeah. We just cheat. We just cheated it. And then like the end scene, the master bedroom where all the bodies are and there's like pools of blood on the white carpet. That's that was my bedroom. What did you use for blood in the uh, shower scene? Um, I mean, it was just different depending on who was doing effects that day. Like we had my friend Katie did 
technically was the effects artist and the beauty makeup artist and she's amazing and now works on tons of big projects yeah all all over the world um but she helped me out so she was on set most days but she couldn't be on set every day because she had to take actual paying jobs (laughs) when they were when they were thrown at her so if she wasn't on a, a, a real set then she was on our set and we would have blood that she would make Oh, that's brain. amazing. Um, or sometimes we would have like some store-bought mouth blood or something. Uh, but then there were other effects artists that would have to help if Katie wasn't available and I was too busy or my nine-year-old son was at school and he couldn't help. So there was a mixture of people that she would send or that I would call in favors or sometimes it was me. So there's days when it's a version of one of her bloods there's days when it's like spirit halloween blood that i had in my garage because we didn't have anyone else there um there's days when it was leftover blood from another project that i was on um things like that like um this a friend of mine and now he's a a a friend of mine and i've worked with him a lot his name's chris arredondo he works with tom devlin the effects art effects artist he helped on a day and like gave it left us some blood and so it's just a whole which is why the consistency of the blood changes all the time. And I see that in the every now and then if I read reviews, I'll see someone that's complaining about how shitty the blood is and how it changes all the time. So but, I, I, I wasn't compl- I wasn't going to complain. I just was going. I mean, if you want, you could just tell people that because in that scene, the blood feels darker. And I was like, oh, maybe they used a little bit of chocolate syrup to give a nod to Hitchcock because a psycho because I, I guess that's what the lore is. They use chocolate. Syrup yeah. And, and psycho. Yeah. Um. So I got I got jazzed about that and I was like, man, that's a deep cut right there. Or that's yeah, well, there is deep cut. there there is chocolate syrup in the blood in the shower scene because that was a day that Katie was there. Oh, there we go. Um, and that is something that she would do and and brought up that it was an homage to Hitchcock. Oh my god! So in that so particular right, scene, you are one hundred percent correct. I would fucking uh, chest bump you right now if we were in the same spot. <laughs> I just I'm gonna say that right now. I feel so excited by because remember when we were watching it well, i mentioned that yeah but also we like we had a lot of fun noticing the different types of blood throughout we were like is that barbecue sauce in one scene uh, it, well we watched it with my sister yeah my uh, wife jamie's wife so the three of us watched it um i had seen it already and then i rewatched it with them uh, this past weekend right yeah i uh, bought it and then yeah man we yeah we we had a lot of fun watching it my sister's like t- she's very critical in general about life and things i think um but we we honestly had a black like all three of us were laughing our heads off and talking about stuff like that and getting we had all the kids over so like as they would come in we kept the pause button was always close by uh and it was like you need to go yeah we had the pause button very close by and those are the like the blood's a great example those are the things that as we were making it that not only did i not care that much about but I also embraced, like, I love the idea. Like there were days when, when Katie would be obsessed. She's like, Oh, I really want to match. I need to match the blood from three weeks ago. And I'd be like, no, you don't, you don't at all. Like this is, that's funny. Like I, I love the idea yeah. that it might not match. I'm yeah. like, and actually yesterday you weren't here and I use blood that I found in my garage. It's not going to match <laughs> at all. Or I, I found a tube of like vampire blood from like seven Halloweens ago. And we actually use that. And then she'd get pissed and be like, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> can't put my name on this I now. Oh, man. No, and, it's, but I it's, was like, I love it. So like, I think it's funny. Yeah. People will talk about it and hopefully it'll be the kind of thing that people will get a kick. Like the whole point of the movie was to entertain 
myself and like my few friends that would watch it like my again because i didn't think it would get any kind of a release so i was making it for myself and my friends yeah and i and i knew it was like almost like a an inside joke i just didn't realize that by my friends i meant like horror fans not just my little circle of friends but it turned out that um horror fans all over the world actually appreciate it and get the joke and also some of them hate it and hate me and (laughs) think i should die because i made it but uh, most people are, seem to at least enjoy also parts, any reviewer that it. watched pool party massacre and then is fucking nitpicking about the blood like fuck off yeah you know uh, yeah quite, and that, quite honestly yeah fuck that off. yeah this movie wasn't made for you chet and that's <laughs> fuck and that's definitely how i, I it's one of the reasons why i kept the title I mean, because I made up the title on that phone call with Brian. Like, it was 100% just, it actually came from, I think it was the day before that. Uh, there was a photo shoot in my back, in, in that backyard where Leanna Vamp got killed. Um, a, a model friend of mine reached out and said, Hey, I'm doing a photo shoot. A photographer wants to shoot some swimwear stuff with me. Can we use your pool? And I said, Of course. Yeah. Just my own, my only criteria is, that when you guys are done shooting, let me know. I want to be in like, I want to be in an image at the end, just for me to have for like my Facebook or Instagram or whatever. So they were shooting stuff in the backyard and then they knocked on the door and said they were done. And she was, the model was in the water. And I said, okay, cool. Stay in the water. I'll be, give me one second. And I ran in my closet and was like, ah, what should I, what's funny? Like what, what's going to be funny to post? <laughs> and I had this blue mechanics jumpsuit that I had bought at a thrift store just a la Michael Myers. So I grabbed it one. And so I put that on and I ran and grabbed an ax from my garage and I put on the boots that I ended up wearing in the movie. And I just climbed in the pool behind her, like waist, waist deep with boots and the jumper on and all and held the ax. And the photographer took this image of us like staggered at me, like 10 feet behind her staring at the back of her head while she does this like pretty pose and that was it and then she sent me the image that's hilarious and when she texted me the image later that day she's like oh my god i love this photo and i said oh it's me too i now i should turn it into a movie i'll call it pool party massacre and that was so it's just that quick text and then when brian's like do you have a script my brain was like oh yeah remember the picture yesterday pool yeah i do pool party massacre i have a whole photo of what it could be <laughs> and so that's like where it came from. But then, so when I wrote the script, I had the intention of coming up with a, a cooler name. As we were making the movie, I just was like, I love the name, but also I think it sets a great expectation that any movie with that Completely. ends with massacre, you have an expectation and you're going to, you know, you're not going to go in with the same uh, set of eyes. I, I think the, the image that accompanies the, the name too. Uh, who who did the artwork? Like the Mark. Sh- oh, I actually have a VHS right here. Oh my god! Yeah, man, that's a ama- honestly. Is when you say a six thousand dollar budget, like that should cost four thousand. That image. Yes. It's well, great. The, the six the six thousand dollars was like shooting budget. Um, doesn't uncover doesn't include the marketing and whatnot. Getting the art and the marketing, but it still was under ten, like under ten. Um, but yeah, getting the movie completed was was about six um but yeah mark schoenbach did that and that was the other thing that was important to me once then when we actually had a real real movie if whatever it is um i was like okay well now here's the checklist like now 
we need really rad box art and cover art, just like all the movies that I loved that I kind of made this movie in, in the spirit of. Yeah, you want it to be like if, if I'm in a video store in 2017, what's going to pop out, right? Yeah. And that, that image certainly is going yeah. to. <clears throat> and, I, and I also wanted it to feel like, like I wanted the whole movie to feel like it was an 80s slasher. Like clearly it's set in modern time. I didn't want to make a period piece, but I want I hoped that people that were into 80s horror and 80s slashers would be like, oh man, this is kind of hitting the same beats. Yeah. And it kind of feels like one of those movies, but it's set in modern time. I was curious like about that. that. Did you ever have a thought about setting it in the 80s? Yeah, it crossed my mind. And, and honestly, the initial reason I didn't do it was just cost yeah. and yeah. T- yeah. time and effort. Like I I thought about it and I think Brian even was like, why don't we make it set in the eighties? And I was like, ah, that sounds like it's going to be more work and cost more money. Yeah. Like, that's, that's dumb. Let's just make it, <laughs> let's, let's take the easy route and do it my way. Yeah. Um, so, but I still wanted to capture the, the spirit of it and do, and have, you know, some, a shit ton of subtle homages and, oh, and just get that and just get that, that tone from it. So then I wanted that, since the art is what you're going to see, or at least the first thing that you see, um, I wanted that to kind of sell that same thing. Like I wanted you to look at the art and it, to feel like it was, it was, an, could be an eighties slasher, even though once you looked at the back and read the description, it, it wouldn't be. Um, and then I found Mark's, I found Mark's art um, through this movie right there. Hill granny kill. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Kill the, Granny Kill. Kill Granny Kill? Oh my I, God. I don't think they I have. have. Not. Let's see if I can. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> kill Granny Kill. I mean, that's so amazing. That's, look at that art. So, Honestly, yeah, Mark. So there's Granny. She's going to kill you. She's going to kill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I had seen this I was not uh, This art. that image. <laughs> that's just and a I fucking just, grandma. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it literally is. Um, so I'd seen that art and I loved it. And so I tracked down who did it and I reached out to him and, and I, and a couple other people. And luckily the other people didn't like, I, I'm a big Mondo movie poster collector oh, yeah. or what, or was for a long time. I don't really buy them anymore. I actually been selling off all mine, but at yeah, that point in time yeah. I had a ton. And so I reached out to several of my favorite Mondo artists. Cause that was like a dream of mine, like to have a Mondo style poster or actual mondo poster of something i made and like none of them even answered my emails of like the four people i reached out to mark was the only one that answered and then we started a dialogue and we hit it off and all of our ideas aligned and then actually some of them started responding later Uh, and it was too too late like i'd already met mark and like we hit it off so perfectly and i realized that it was like it was like fate yeah he was meant Meant to do it, and obviously he was because he he nailed it. How long did it take to to film it? So we had to work around people's schedule. Like when you have when you have no money, um, I couldn't really hire. I couldn't block out time and hire people for three three weeks of shooting or twelve days of shooting because um, everyone was just kind of donating their time for the most part. So we worked around their schedules. So shooting whenever we could over a six month period. Oh, wow. So we started, um, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, we started on black Friday of 2015, I believe. And then we shot till June of 2016. Wow. Wow. I mean, 
quite honestly, like the continuity of the film, given that that's yeah. the case, it's that's actually Pretty amazing. Good. Double fuck Chet for that because, like, Chet, fuck you, you, you complain no, about the prick. blood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, Chet's a, not a real person. So if no. there's a guy named Chet that left a review, we're not sorry. But. No, it's you, Chet. Yeah. It's still you. <laughs> God damn it. And it's now in high, if you, if you ever do watch it again. Now, knowing that though, there are things you can, you'll pick up on like, um, like the, the lead Blair, um, she loses weight. Like she's already thin anyways, but she actually, like, I think she said she lost like, 15 pounds from when we started shooting oh, man. till the very, till the very end. Cause she was going through a breakup. Uh, and so she, she laughs about how obvious it is to her and her family. Like if they watched the movie, like that, that was when she went through that, went through the breakup or whatever. Um, other people wouldn't necessarily notice it until you point it out. But there's also like, there's like f- trees that bloom <laughs> throughout, like throughout the process of the movie, like by the end, there's flowers on a tree, and when, and the movies, like, it takes place in real time. Like that was the other thing when I wrote it. Um, I don't know why, but I was fascinated with the idea of like pretty much writing it. Like I wrote the original script in real time. Like it took place in ninety minutes. Yeah, which it doesn't literally take place in ninety minutes, but it's pretty close. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. one afternoon. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, the fact that it's happening over the course of maybe a couple hours and that the trees bloom um <laughs> i mean that thing, adds to the mystique was it shot all yeah. in order too no um it was it was shot fairly close but but it wasn't completely because we again were working around people's schedules so there sure. definitely were times um when we would have to shoot people out or, or shoot around them. And even at times, I mean, there's also times in uh, like dialogue in the backyard where like there are two people in, in a scene having dialogue that those shots were actually shot a month apart. Uh, oh yeah. Like yeah, we, yeah. like we would shoot all of, you know, plays dialogue this day, but Nancy wasn't available and I would just sit in the chair directing for his eyeline. And then, Three weeks later, when Nancy was available, we I would sit where Clay was for her eyeline, and we would shoot her. Yeah. So that makes so, sense. Yeah, there's plenty of times when when that was the case, especially I mean when and then also for for pickup shots, like some scenes, like the go going back to the opening with Leanna Vamp, and then also I can't forget Cameron Vamp, her husband in real life is the like heavy metal pool guy. Oh, that's <laughs> her that husband. Nice. That's, that's yeah, that's that's her husband, and they're both friends of mine i met them both because of the other movie bob freeman so i had to put put her and him in that so um but shooting that like they i flew them in from la we had one day like one shooting day it was right before christmas so like we started it on black friday so this was a couple weeks into it and so i we had one day it was freezing like i think during the day that day it was like 38 degrees or something like that oh my god and she's laying in a bikini and the scene was much bigger like the the script for that scene was just longer there's more interaction between her and him there was like a fast times little tribute yeah. where she gets out of the water in slow motion <laughs> and and we didn't get to shoot any of that just too cold but, yeah yeah it was too cold and the water was the water was too cold but also we just ran out of time like we you know we were figuring figuring things out and uh we just weren't that efficient to be honest and we were very ambitious. We had more ambition than efficiency. So, but so I focused on what I knew we needed. 
saying we can get those things later, but we need, here's the things we actually need to have a movie. And then we've, by the time we finished those things, it was dark and we could never go back. Um, but for that reason, like it was literally on that note, like by the time we got to the reveal of Cameron with a screwdriver in his eye, as I walk out, it's actually pitch black outside. Like in that scene, 10, 10 o'clock at night, pitch black. And we threw as much light as we had on him. And then in post, he, Brian did what he could to make it match. And he actually, no one's ever called us out on it. Oh, which wow. is, I didn't notice. And it's just a, it's just me walking by his body. And then like the push in with the sound, but it's, yeah, it was, it was as dark as night could be by the time we shot that. That's wild. Um, But yeah, so in that scene, now that it's edited together, when, when she gets her throat slit, there's like a sequence of like the blade going across from a couple different angles and then her arm hanging. And then it cuts to like behind. So it's Leanna, Leanna for all of the, that's obvious, but I never got the shot, even though it was scripted. We just never got the shot of the arm like, ding, I'm doing the arm like you could see my arm. But the, the arm dangling over and dripping into the pool. And I needed that to lead into the 8-bit yeah. title sequence. Like the drops in the blood are what brings it in. And I had that already planned. So then I had to get my my ex-wife or my wife at the time, one morning before she left for work, like force her to hurry up, run outside, lay down. Like Brian was there waiting. We were all ready. She lays down in the chair, rolls up her sleeve. It's 30 degrees. I pour fake blood down her arm. She's like, you have five minutes. I have to go to work. And we get, we get that shot. That is love this. And then she leaves for work is annoyed. She has to wash her arm and all that. And then I'm like, Oh crap. We didn't get, we need the shot from behind two of the arm. God damn it. And she's like, fuck you. I got to go to work. <laughs> I already so, washed my arm. I, I was like, Oh shit. I'm like, Oh, Deegan. So I run in to get my like nine, nine year old son. And I put him in the chair and we hang his arm over and we pour a bunch of blood on his arm and we get the reveal. So it threw out like however many seconds that is four seconds. It goes from Leanna Vamp's arm to my ex-wife's arm to my son's arm. That's and then I and then I walk out. But you would, you would incredible. never know. I well, love hearing all these like little we're, behind. We're the scene none details. the wiser on that, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to to tell. I mean, I, but but it's funny. I know, like, and that's why I have pictures of my son in the chair with blood all over his arm, and my daughter like <laughs> trying to pour the blood on on his arm for me and stuff like that. That's incredible to shoot that scene. And the blood kept freezing. It was that cold that I wanted it to run down the arm and drip in the pool, and it would like huh. freeze. And stop G- flowing gelatinous. before it made it. That's Ohio yeah. weather there that you were dealing with. It's like trying yeah. to make a movie around here. Yeah, and this that was a lot me. of the that was a lot of the movie. Like most, I mean, obviously by June it was the opposite. It was like a hundred and seven, yeah. but most of the movie yeah. was November, December, January, and it was freezing. Huh. I was gonna say this reminds me of Tom Savini talking about Tasso's oh. uh, meat pu- meat meat hands yeah, in, in uh, Friday <laughs> in the, the Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Drew, you've got fourteen plus projects I counted today in pre-production, post-production, or completed. Uh, oh, so what's on the horizon for you, man? What uh, you know, plug, what? plug your stuff. I think what's, my favorite title up? is "From Dusk Till Bong." From Dusk Till Bong. I think that one's already available, yeah, though. That one's available. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but 
I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of what I, what I've been in, to be honest. Um, it's weird. I have like no desire to watch things that I'm in anymore. Um, I used to, I uh, like was super excited about it and now, and I will watch them, especially if I go to a premiere or something, but, but I have no desire in my own home to like put on something yeah. that I'm in just so I be critical of myself. Is it that like John and I both make music and is it that thing where like once it's made and out there in the ether, it's like, I don't want to, I, yeah, I don't want to listen to it anymore. Like it's, I'm done with that. I mean, it's, it's kind of of that it's, it's a little bit of that. And then I think it's like I said, I think I just would be critical. Like I'm never happy with my performance or anything. I mean, like I'm proud, I'm proud of the things that I've done. I'm proud that I wrote and directed a feature film and that it's out there and that people enjoy it. Like, but I don't like it. Like I don't like pool party massacre. I don't want to watch it yeah. ever again. Like, um, but I'm, but I'm, so it's same with these other people's movies that I've been fortunate enough to, to act in. Like um, I'm glad that I did them. And a lot of them are great movies, but I'm just going to see myself and just be critical and focus on that. And I sure. already kind of yeah. lived it like the end of Pee Wee's big adventure. Like yeah. he doesn't need to watch, he doesn't need to watch the movie anymore because he lived it. <laughs> you know, that's me. I'm, I'm fucking I'm Pee Wee Herman, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the one so, so I haven't seen like a lot of them. The the one I'm hearing the most about that's I'm I'm starting to see some marketing around is murder size. Uh yeah. I, I remember, you know, we follow you on Instagram and uh I think you posted a picture when you were on set uh, back when you were filming it. And it's called Murder Size, so obviously there are a lot of singlets involved, exercise yeah. singlets from, <laughs> oh, from okay. From the from the eighties, so uh, and any idea on when people can expect that one? I don't know exactly when. Um, I know that Paul and Angie are like actively editing, trying to get it done because oh my god, because everybody wants to see it. Um, <laughs> the trailer is the trailer's the running trailer. in the background. That's why you said, <laughs> yeah. "Oh my god!" <laughs> and I'm super excited about that one, and I'll definitely see that. I'm sure we'll have a premiere and everything when it is done. Um, I worked so Paul and Angie uh, wrote and directed Slash Lorette Party, which is oh, cool. how yeah. I not how I met them. I met them at a previously. Oh, he also made a movie before that called um, Streets of Vengeance. Also, I'm sorry, before we get too far from, from slash, slash Lara party, the scene at the end, I think is when my wife came downstairs when you're, you're standing there with a mask on, but but your beard is coming out of the bottom of it. She's like, what the, what's, and I was like, that's, uh, that's who we're talking to. Yeah. Oh, I actually have that mask right here. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. Look, so imagine that. So she comes down here. And there are two dudes standing side by side. Oh One of them God. is is this man here I looking just like it. that. That's right. Yeah, that's the screen used mask. Oh man, um, I should have recorded the video on this so we could put it on on our Patreon. Yeah. Uh, oh well, next time. Yeah. Yep. Next time we got. I don't mind. I don't mind. But yeah, I murder size. I'm dying. I'm dying for that to come out. And the just the name. I mean, Paul and Angie are great. Working with them on Slash Lara Party was amazing. Um, so getting to work with them again, I was all in. They didn't even have to tell me what it was. But then when I found out the title and I started seeing his like early uh, promos for it, and then then I read the script, um, <laughs> I was totally hooked. And then I kind of created, I don't know, this is, I don't know, it's not a total spoiler, I guess, but 
I kind of then to help, they did a crowd, they crowdfunded it and they did all these fun photo shoots with like a lot of the actresses that were in it in like jazzercise leotards and stuff. And, and I wanted to jump on that bandwagon. So the, the, the photos that are all over of, of me in like the pink and blue leotard with like lasers behind me and stuff were just something that I shot here. Like has nothing to do. I mean, it has everything to do with the movie, but it wasn't on set. It's not like for, wasn't actually for the movie. I just thought it would be funny and get some buzz for the Indiegogo. So I got a photographer friend of mine, Daniel to shoot those for me. And we started posting them. And then I haven't seen these yet. It oh, became dude, a whole, you yeah. got, you got, you got to get in there. <laughs> oh yeah. There's videos of me like run dancing in like a pink and blue leotard. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but it sounds like this whole like, movie was inspired by like uh, Linnea Quigley. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it has it definitely it has those vibes, um, and like you know, Death Spa and mm-hmm. like eighties oh eighties work, workout horror, which is a very small <laughs> it's a genre. very niche market. Uh, right there. Yes, <laughs> but this is fits it. It is a it is a period piece, and it, it takes place in the eighties, um, and it's it's about a uh, some girls or like a crew that are making a an exercise in an exercise video in the 80s and then people start getting murdered mm, love by, it. by an unknown killer one by one and it's so, a i love this it's batch it's it's batshit crazy and fun so i'm i'm dying for it to come out but i don't know i don't know when there's some no, some other uh yeah. titles in here that are a little telling in in their form as well that that you're in so we've got killer popcorn uh chihuahuas which sounds like a chihuahua piranha <laughs> mixture if i had it, to guess it, yeah yeah, yeah it, it would be a chihuahuas i don't think will ever get made um that's a friend of mine came up with that idea and was ready to make it and made like a proof of concept trailer and um he made like he owned an effects house and did big stuff oh wow, wow, wow. And, yeah. it, and that was going to be his fun like directorial debut Excuse me. And then, but he, I, I think he's just too busy and it's just gone sure. away. So I like, I love having it on my MDB, but I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll ever get I, made. I hope, I hope one day it does. Uh, but, um, killer, is it killer popcorn? What does it say on the IMDb? Yeah. Killer, killer popcorn. Killer popcorn. Okay. Yep. Cause it used to be, it was called popcorn killer at one point, And then it was called mini mall massacre. The very first script I got of that. Oh, so that one's do- like done. I mean, it's in the final stages of post. So that's my friend uh, Trevor wrote and produced that movie. And so I'm excited for that one too. That one should be, it's his, a lot of people's first time making a movie that were involved in that. And uh, just a bunch of horror fans got together and made a crazy, like eighties inspired monster movie. That's incredible. And anything mall or retail related, we're in. I have a chopping mall shirt on actually yeah. right now. So, oh yeah, nice. Well, yeah, yeah. and it's um, my buddy Trevor who who made Dude. the movie is uh, owned, owned a video store. Oh my god! Nice. Oh nice. 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 shirt yeah. on. I have chopping yeah. mall. So, so and what, you're saying your 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 buddy owned a, a video store. Oh, so? he owned a vi- he owned oh, the like last video store in Vegas for a long time. It's he since has closed it, but um, um but so they shot yeah. it in the in his store, like the. In that's that mini so mall, awesome. and most of it's in the in the store. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what else is on there. I I, I know that I have sixteen 
projects or now it's actually more but like a month ago when i counted there were 16 movies that i had already been like already shot my scenes for wow that weren't out that weren't out yet that weren't out yet yeah there's there's a bunch on here margaret the brave house that eats the house that eats flesh art of killing ghoul yeah so some of those like a house that house that eats flesh i'm not in. i'm not in um that we just had a like scheduling conflict so i didn't actually i'm not actually in that movie but I guess it's still on my IMDb. That bathtub shark attack. <laughs> that movie I'm in. <laughs> I'm tiny. I just make a little like guest cameo. Are for you the shark? <laughs> 30 seconds. I wish. I wish I could have been in it from the very beginning. That's my friend Maddie made that movie and she's oh, great. Man. And I just happened to be in Pennsylvania for a convention and let her know. And she told me that, that they were still filming and, I asked, I, th- I asked if I could be in it. That's awesome. And I, and I think it blew her mind and she was like, yeah, I mean, I guess. Sure. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so yeah. So I, I like shoehorned myself into bathtub shark attack. Drew plug your channels. Where can people find you? Where can people keep up on new releases and whatnot? Uh, social media or website, whatever is a good medium for you. Yeah. I mean, I'm on, I'm pretty active on social media and it's just at Drew Marvick. So, I mean, if people want to find me on Instagram, just go to at Drew Marvick or Facebook uh, is the same, or even on TikTok now because of my daughter. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if you want to find, I have a website, drewmarvick.com where you could buy um, stuff, shirts with my face on them and coffee mugs um, and copies of pool party massacre. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty easy to find. And I'm sure I have movies that uh, you haven't seen yet that you could watch so right now. I think uh, what we need to do is plan to bring you back and we're going to cover, maybe we'll coordinate it with the release of Murder Size and we'll cover 80s aerobic horror films because <laughs> yes. I'm sure there are only so many out there for us to watch. Yeah, so. it can't be yeah, too we many. Could, yeah. We could watch all three of them. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then that'll help for, uh, for promoing it. But thanks, That'd man. That'd be great. We we appreciate this. Uh, very humbled by your time, and appreciate you spending a, an hour with us. And and thank you. Yeah, man, it's been great yeah. to hear your uh, your spirit. And uh, honestly, it's super motivational. Um, I'm more of a uh, stuck in my head, negative Nancy type guy. And to uh, hear somebody like you that just is like, you know what, fucking, I'm gonna go balls deep and and just fucking do it. I find it to be very inspirational. It was great yeah, talking. Well, that's to you, man. good. Don't be afraid to fail. Go out and fail on film. As much as you can. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thanks, man.